today to another podcast episode of Established in the Faith. This is Pastor James Pierce, and what a privilege it is to have all of you out there by SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, Blueberry, and others. We're just so very pleased and happy to have you with us today. We're going to continue with our study in the book of Romans. I know it's going to be a blessing to you. If it is, like it and share it with others. You can also go over to EstablishedInTheFaith.com And if you go there, you'll find more information on how you can subscribe to this podcast as well. We love hearing from you, so please feel free to contact us with any questions and comments that you may have. Well, we're going to go on into our study now. Let me invite you to go ahead and take your Bible and turn with us, because I know it's going to be a blessing to you. Tonight we're going to deal with the total depravity of man and the love of God. If you have your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. We're going to pick it up in verse 6. Romans chapter 5 and verse 6. When we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. Now, this verse proclaims the total depravity of man. Uh, The phrase, yet without strength, means that all of mankind is feeble, impotent, sick, weak, and without strength. All of this is because of the fall. I don't think we realize just how serious our situation is. Paul said, for when we were without strength. We do not have within ourselves the ability to bring about the change within ourselves that God requires. We can change our habits. There's a number of other things that we can change, but what God requires simply cannot be done. No human being has been able to do it. We are deprived. In the Garden of Eden, God pointed to a tree and said, Don't eat of it. In the day that you eat of it, thou shalt surely die. We do not know what the original creation of Adam and Eve was. When Adam and Eve fell in the garden, they lost everything. Adam had the ability, the knowledge, when God created the animals and brought those animals to him, he was able to look at the different attributes of that animal and give it a name. And it has stuck from then right on up until now. The knowledge that he had. And now, due to the fall, someone has said we only use about 10% of our brains. I look at some people, I wonder if they're using that much, to be honest with you. But at any rate, we also see there in the book of Genesis, prior to the fall, that Adam and Eve as well... They both had the ability to communicate with the animal kingdom. Now, think about that. 
they were able to communicate with the animals. We see the serpent speaking. We also see Adam and Eve both speaking to the serpent and so forth. After the fall, we do not see that taking place. So Adam lost quite a bit when the fall took place. You know the difference today between a live body and a dead body. That is the difference. That's a, that's a drastic difference. Paul said, for when we were without strength, a dead body has no strength in it. It cannot do anything. God said, in the day that you eat thereof, thou shalt surely die. From what Adam and Eve was able to do before the fall and what we're able to do now, there's a vast difference there. Paul said in Ephesians chapter 2, if you will, flip over to that right quick. Ephesians chapter 2. Paul said we were dead in trespasses and sins. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1. And you hath he quickened or made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world. Everything in this world is on a course against God. Everything. Um, we, we've seen now where they've even passed laws that go against nature. According to the prince of the power of the air. Sin is what gave Satan this power over the world system. The spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. That right there is the sin nature that is at work within the hearts and lives of the unbeliever. Among whom also we all had our conversation or lifestyle. In times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. The wrath of God abides on the ungodly, for the wages of sin is death. But God, who is rich in mercy, look at that, but God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins. There we have, in, that, in those two verses, we have the love of God and the total depravity of man. Hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace are ye saved. And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. That verse right there, that last verse I just read, verse 7, tells us that in eternity future, you and I will still be learning about the cross of Christ and the price that he paid for our redemption. So with that in mind, here in this world there is no graduating class as it pertains to this subject of our salvation. Now, go back, if you will, to Romans 5 and verse 6 again. 
For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. Christ didn't die for himself. He came into this world and he died for the ungodly. That's you and I. He didn't come and die for the godly because they won't know godly. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We didn't do anything to deserve this. God just, just did it. If anything, it's quite the contrary. We deserved the wrath of God. God had every right to wipe us off the face of the earth, but uh, he didn't do that. Uh, to further prove the total depravity of man, we need to take a look at the time factor. Paul said, in due time, which means a strategic time, a time determined by a set of circumstances or actions. God promised a Redeemer. Immediately after the fall, in Genesis 3 and verse 15, he said, I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. But Christ did not come until some 4,000 years later. Why did it take so long? We're talking about a God who could speak a word and worlds appear. But yet, in this situation, man in this fallen state, God could not simply speak a word and solve his problem. It would take 4,000 years before this problem would be solved. That shows you just how serious our situation really is. Now, our salvation is a simple thing, but it's a very complex thing as well. A number of things took place at the, at the fall of man. Man lost everything. We had everything, but due to the fall, we lost everything. What Jesus did at Calvary restored everything that man lost. Now, right now, as we look at the situation, we only have a percentage of it. We don't have it all. We will not have it all until we're in glory with a glorified body when the rapture takes place. But right now, we, we have a little bit. We have the down payment of what Jesus paid for. Now, we're not going to be able to look at all of this tonight, but we are going to be able to briefly touch on a few things here. When the fall took place, Man lost his dominion. If you will, go to Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26. Genesis 1, verse 26. And God said, let us make man in our image. Before I go any further with that, if someone questions the Trinity... God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We see it right here in the very first chapter of the book of Genesis when God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion. Look at that. 
Let man have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Man had dominion over everything in this world, but he lost it over to Satan due to the fall. Man lost it under certain conditions, and to gain it back legally, notice what I said, in order for man to gain it back legally, it would have to be done under certain conditions as well. It was lost under certain conditions. The only way it can be gained back is under certain conditions. First of all, man was responsible. Man lost it. A man would have to gain it back. The problem is, man is now in a dead condition. He's not able to do anything. Yet without strength, we are dead in trespasses and sins. We're not able to do anything legally or otherwise because we're spiritually dead. So God comes on the scene and he looks at the situation course God knew in the very beginning before he created man that man would fall and that man would need a redeemer all of this was decided before the foundation of the world but be that as it may God in the form of God could not save man God would have to become man in order to redeem mankind. Like I said, man lost that dominion. A man would have to gain it back. Now, I don't know if you realize this or not, but the fall took place due to a lack of faith in what God said. When you look at the whole story, God said, Don't eat of that tree, and the day that you eat thereof, thou shalt surely die. What did they do? They partook of it. They eat it. They disregarded, they did not believe what God said. And that was the reason this whole thing took place. They did not believe what God said. In order to reverse this situation, this condition must be met. Somewhere down the line, someone had to believe God. And history records that very few did believe God. Let's look at Adam and Eve. When the fall took place, God instituted the Old Testament sacrificial system. We can see that with Cain and Abel. There's evidence that they built a tabernacle of sorts right outside the Garden of Eden. And for a while, they offered up sacrifices. But somehow down the line, over a period of time, that stopped. Why it stopped, we don't know. And we don't know the salvation of Adam and Eve. We really don't know. In the book of Hebrews, uh, chapter 11, the great faith chapter, it, all, it, it starts with Abel. It says nothing about Adam and Eve, the faith of Adam and Eve. So there's evidence that they followed God for a while. But there's evidence that they fell away from that. So we don't know what the salvation of Adam and Eve was. 
Abel, let's look at Abel for a few minutes. He believed God. He brought the sacrifice that God required, offered it up, and God accepted him. Cain didn't do it. And then what did Cain do? Cain killed Abel. So the one that did believe in God, Cain killed him. So he's out of the picture. We come to Enoch. The Bible says that Enoch walked with God and was not, for God took him. That's Genesis 5 and verse 24. The Lord had other plans with Enoch. Um, It is believed that Enoch, along with Elijah, will be one of the two witnesses that will come down during the Great Tribulation period and be the prophets during that period of time. But at any rate, God had other plans with Enoch, so God didn't use Enoch. We come up to the time of Noah. Noah believed God, but by that time, some 1,600 years had already passed, and the wickedness of man was so bad, God had to uh, send a flood and destroy everything. If you will, go to Genesis chapter 6. Let's take a look at that. We're going, we're going to look at the love of God in all of this tonight. But a lot of people look at Noah's flood and they say, there's mean old God coming down, killing everybody. And how can a God of love just destroy everything on the face of the earth? Let, let's just take a few moments and take a look at that. Genesis chapter 6, uh, verse 1 uh, the events of this, pro, uh, of this chapter probably began about the time of Enoch, which was around about a thousand years before the flood took place. There could have been several millions of people on the face of the earth at this time. And in Genesis 6, verse 1, it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair, and they took them wives of all which they chose. Now, the term sons of God is never used of human beings. It's always pertaining to angels, whether they be uh, holy angels or fallen angels. And these that are being referred to here in this chapter are fallen angels. They sided with Lucifer, who led a rebellion against God sometime in the eons of the past. And they are now fallen angels. These angels were trying to destroy the human race. And they were trying to keep the Messiah from ultimately coming into the world. And the way they done it, they married the daughters of men. And they produced a mongrel race. Verse 3, the Lord said, my spirit shall not always strive with man. Now, right before the word man here, we have what is known as the definite article. So it would actually read, my spirit shall not always strive with the man. Speaking of a specific man, we believe that specific man is Adam. So the Lord was speaking to Adam here and not to just mankind in general. He went on to say, for that he is also flesh, yet his day shall be 120 years. At this point in time, God gave Adam 120 years to repent and get right. But there's no evidence that he did. Verse 4, there were giants in the earth. 
they were the offspring of the fallen angels that came down and had this union with the daughters of men. In those days, that's talking about the days prior to the flood, and then it says, and also after that, talking about immediately after the flood, there were giants after the flood. Matter of fact, Goliath was a giant. He was uh, an offspring of this union of fallen angels and the daughters of men. And, of course, we know the story how David killed Goliath. David actually killed uh, the last of the giants. There were giants in the earth in those days and also after that when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men and they bore children to them. The same became mighty men, which were of old men of renown. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. It seems that these men of renown, these giants, were getting more and more wicked as time progressed. And the human race was getting infested with this mongrel race. The human race was coming to a point of extinction, and we're going to see that here in just a moment. God saw the wickedness of man, that it was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually, and it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of of the earth. The wickedness of man was so great. If God hadn't have done what he did, there wouldn't have been a human race left. The original creation of God would have gone extinct by this union of fallen angels and the daughters of men. He went on to say, both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repents me that I have made them. Even the animal kingdom was affected by all that was going on at this time. But Noah, verse 8, but Noah found grace in the sight of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations, and Noah walked with God. Now, Noah was not perfect. He was not sinless. Immediately after the flood, we see where Noah offered up a sacrifice. His faith was in the sacrifice. Noah was justified by faith in the sacrifice. Salvation has always been by the sacrifice. So when it says that Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations, he walked with God, his faith was in the sacrifice. Verse 10, And Noah begat three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt. Notice this next phrase, For all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. In other words, Noah and his family were the only ones of the original creation of God. When God looked at humanity, 
The whole thing was corrupt. It had become this mixture of fallen angels and the daughters of men creating these giants. And the earth was filled with the whole human race was corrupt. And that was Satan's ploy. That was the intent of these fallen angels to destroy the original creation of God to ultimately prevent the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, from coming on the scene. If God hadn't stepped in and done this surgery, the human race would have died. The human race would have been extinct. Now, people look at this story of the flood, and you all know the rest of the story, how he built the ship and whatever the case if God had not have done this, like I said, the human race would have been destroyed. People look at that and say, here's mean old God coming down and killing everybody. Where is the love in that? It's like a doctor. If he finds a cancer in you and he says, look, I can operate and I can remove this cancer and save you. He's not being hateful. He's not being mean. Now, it's going to hurt when he goes in and cuts you open and he does this surgery, but he's doing it to try to save your life. And this is what God was doing here in the sixth chapter of Genesis as it pertains to the flood. If God hadn't have done this, like I said, there wouldn't have been a human race left. So we have Noah and the flood. Some 400 years after the flood, about 2,000 years after the fall, we have Abraham. Like I said, going back, the reason that the fall took place is because man did not believe what God said. In order to reverse this thing, there has to be faith. Someone has to believe God in order to turn this thing around. We come up to Abraham. And what does the Bible say about Abraham? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him for righteousness. When Abraham came on the scene and obeyed God, believed God, it was to Abraham and Sarah, it was through them, that God would use them to bring forth a people to whom he would give his word and ultimately bring forth the Lord Jesus Christ. Once God's people were established, God gave us the law on Mount Sinai. The reason God gave the law was to show man just how depraved he really was. How do you know to fix something if you don't know it's broke? And we see that not a single human being for 2,000 years from the time that the law was given up to Christ, no human being was able to keep the law of God. That shows the weakness and the depravity of man. But within the confines of the law, we have the sacrificial system. If you break God's law, 
you can bring a sacrifice and offer it up, be forgiven of your sin, and have relationship with God. And that sacrifice pointed to the Redeemer who was to come, the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul said in Galatians chapter 4 and verse 4, Galatians 4, verse 4, I want you to look at this now. But when the fullness of time was come in due time. What did Paul say there in Romans 5 and 6? But when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. In Galatians 4 and verse 4, he said, But when the fullness of time was come, in due time God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them which were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. So in order to redeem mankind, certain things had to come about. Certain things had to be in place. And it took 4,000 years before the Son of God could be born into this world to redeem mankind. Now, when Jesus died on Calvary, he took back the dominion that Satan took at the fall. He told his disciples in Matthew 28, verse 18, right after the resurrection, he said, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. In Colossians chapter 2, verses 9 through 15, For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, And you are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power, in whom also you are circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, wherein also you are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead. And you, being dead in your sins, there we have the total depravity of man again. And being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened or made alive, Together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Notice verse 14. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. And verse 15. Having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. So when Jesus died on Calvary and he said it is finished, he gained back the dominion that man lost. And right after the resurrection, he told the disciples, all power is given unto me both in heaven and in earth. All right, go back to Romans 5, verse 6. 
For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. In other words, not many will lay down their lives for another. Even if they're a good person. Verse 8. But God commendeth his love toward us. In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. This verse shows the love of God. It's far above and beyond anything known to mankind. I do not have the words. I do not have the vocabulary to express to you the love of God. There's no greater display of the love of God than the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That phrase, while we were yet sinners, proclaims the fact that all of mankind was an enemy of God and haters of God. And we see things going on in our nation right now. They're, the, the people who are promoting these things and pushing these things, when you get down to it, they hate God. Bottom line. That's the reason why they're doing what they're doing. But even while they're hating God, Christ died for them as well. And we can understand someone who would die for a friend or a family member. But our minds can't comprehend someone who would die for an enemy. We don't, we don't understand that. We don't comprehend that. But when you look at the cross of Christ, we see someone who died for an enemy. We see someone who died for someone who hated them. Yet Christ died for us. The love of God is greater far than tongue or pen can ever tell. It goes beyond the highest star. It reaches to the lowest hell. Could we with ink the ocean fill, and were the skies of parchment made, were every stalk on earth a quill, and every man a scribe by trade, to write the love of God above would drain the oceans dry, nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. Oh, the love of God, how rich and pure, how measureless and strong, it shall forevermore endure the saints' and the angels' song. program today has been a blessing to you. We hope and pray that you'll share it with others. This podcast has been made possible by the prayerful and generous financial support of listeners like you to contact us or to contribute to this ministry. Go to establishedinthefaith.com, click on the donate tab. All donations are safe and secure through PayPal. We look forward to hearing from you.